Hi, I'm Senshu, one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan offers his wisdom tirelessly with complete love and devotion. If you value these teachings, Sokuzan, the mandala of Sokukoji, please consider donating at sokukoji.org. Thank you. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're hiding out. Before we, before I start the Dharma talk, I want to remind you to, uh, if you haven't already, or maybe you do regularly, but go to, if you value these teachings, then go to our website, go to the donate area there, and help us out if you can. And thank you so much to those of you who are already doing that and have been for years. Otherwise, <laughs> we would not be here. Not funny. We would not, would not be here without help. So thank you. This evening's Dharma talk is titled, <clears throat> Take No Position. Take No Position. We started out coming up with several names. One of the names that we decided not to use because Junchu couldn't spell it. And, and that is unfigureoutableness, wasn't it? Un, Unfigureoutability-ness, yeah, something like that. So we decided to go with, or I decided to go with, take no position. And of course, that requires you through your sitting practice, through your awareness practice, through your conceptual practice of contemplation or whatever, is to notice, be aware of the way you spontaneously will move away from what shows up to a position about it. That's what you have to see. And it's not something you need to figure out or change or modify. Except to reject, not to accept anything. Don't accept anything. I just saw something somewhere where somebody was, someone was saying, you have to do some kind of radical acceptance of who you are or yourself. This is a, I'm not saying this couldn't be workable, maybe with the right, help, guidance, or mentoring, but unlikely. You can actually function just fine without a center, without a me who likes. That's how we get our identity. That's how you know who you are because you have your description. I like this, but I don't like that. That's good, but I don't know about this over here. Who are you going to vote for? That's why we have such an insane world based on right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. Right and wrong is a big, huge misunderstanding. This does not validate or justify uh, somebody who is committing a crime or uh, horsewhipping somebody or abusing someone. It doesn't mean that that isn't wrong. Of course it is. It's the grasping at the right and wrong. The grasping. So if you see something that is wrong or in that relative sense, yes, you could step in and try to help with that rel a relative thing. But don't abandon what you're doing for what you think it is, what caused it, and so on, and start blaming that person <clears throat> who may be misbehaving, shall we say, or being socially unworkable. Because we all are the product of dependent origination and uh, the product of the society's enculturation all the causes and conditions that arise in our environment, not to mention the causes and conditions that you came into this world with. Have you noticed if you have three children, even if they're twins, of course, they're probably not twins if there's three of them. 
But even if they're even if they're closely related, you'll notice they have completely different personalities. And we even look and say, "Well, doesn't he take after Uncle George?" Let's hope not. So this is done through an awareness practice. You you might you may or may not need the structure of Buddhism of actually formally receiving a vow to do this because reason those are there is this is so difficult to do if you're just kind of doing it as a just well I think I'll go train my mind somewhere you might do that for two or three weeks or maybe a month or maybe a year but eventually if you're looking at it as some kind of goal orientation you won't last you, you can't because it will not be productive because you're evaluating everything based on outcomes this doesn't mean you ignore the outcome you just don't abandon what appears for something else, which is what the world is doing all the time. This is why you have wars. It's why you have the war at the kitchen table sometimes. Or the eight-year-old child who's sitting in a chair and suddenly, because of something that came out of his or her mouth, they get this coming across the table. I know about those. Some of you do also. This doesn't make anything wrong. It's, it's causes and conditions that arise is sometimes called karma. But it is not dependent origination. Dependent origination is even worse than just cause and effect. When I say worse, it's worse from the point of view of trying to understand it. You cannot understand it conceptually. You can approach it, and there's some genius scholars who can look at this and come up with a series of concepts that may get us a little closer to it intellectually. But the fundamental understanding is without an understander, and without anything understood. No one understands, so it's un un unfigureoutable. But it is possible to realize it. Just the nature of consciousness is so amazing. Consciousness always finds a form that it needs or is looking for or is pushed into or crowded out of, including the consciousness that doesn't find anything. The consciousness that doesn't find anything. You could use a relative term and say merge. You just merge with the ultimate. Actually, you haven't merged with it. You never left it. But when that aspect of consciousness is downloaded into a living form, human being, or a raccoon, it, it is relatively separated just because of the nature of relative truth. But its fundamental nature is not something else, not, not another thing. How do we do that? Assuming you uh, are a little bit entrained by what I'm saying, uh, the way we do that is to look, to look at the way that we aren't doing it, or that we can't do that, or that we constantly grasp, or this happens, that happens, this happens, and then suddenly we're enraged about something. Just, we have, as they used to say, when I was in the Marine Corps, somebody got upset the way that they expressed that they had tight jaws. We get some tight jaws over that. Maybe you don't know about that. But if you're here in this room or in this Zoom room, you probably have some idea about that kind of frustration. And there are ways of covering that up, of medicating it possibly even meditating it so you become a more kind and peaceful person it won't last. 
It might last for six months, six years, 60 years, but it fundamentally runs out of its so-called fix. And why is that fundamentally is there's nothing wrong with it. It's not broken. There's nothing, there's not, there is nothing to fix. So what do we do? We look at the difficulty. We look at that which arises as confusion or conflicting emotions about the nature of whatever this is. Just observe it, observe it, look at it, continue to look and observe so that the consciousness eventually returns to its original state. It's not even a state, just a way of talking about it. That's very challenging because the more we look at the ego and look at our outflows and our pushing on things and pulling on things and our self-deception, if we begin to see that, it's very frustrating. And sometimes we we go to the neg negative end of the whole thing and just, it's just, I, can't, I just can't do this. You know, I just finished a month-long retreat and I still feel nuts. I still feel crazy. I'm still confused. I still don't understand. I cannot understand this. The powerful thing about that statement, if you really mean that, that's, that's how the path feels. I do not understand because the way we understand relative situations is we get it. But the way we understand the, the ultimate situation is there's, you don't get it. You don't understand it. You have no position. You take no position. And of course, coming back to square one, that comes from watching the way you take position. You're in a conversation with someone and you disagree with them. That's a position. You don't have to do that. Even though the person is saying something that is totally wrong, you might want to give it a chance now and then to just take no position on it and see what happens to the chemicals that are flying through the air. When I'm saying that, I'm talking about the consciousness that is arising as this person and as the person that's made a statement that you disagree with. Look closely at that. That's your opportunity, especially if it's somebody really, it's really close to you. Someone you love, someone that you're related to and you've been seeing every day for the last 50 years or 20 years. Look closely at that. Watch and observe and see in yourself, of course, that you're doing that. That's the work you're doing on the wall by wall gazing. You don't have to cut out your eyelids uh, as Bodhidharma is rumored to do a thousand years, a thousand years plus ago, but you could keep your eyes open, which is what that indicates. Don't close your eyes unless you need to. So you, what you would observe by just receiving instead of jumping out of your, out of your perception into an outflow, the judgment, an evaluation, a finger pointing, even if you're correct, even if the situation uh, dynamic happening with the other person, if you wrote it all down and took it to a, an attorney, so am I right here or not? That kind of thing. It probably would hold up in court, so to speak. In some way, it would hold, it would be valid. It would be relative truth that's valid. But it would, but it, it keeps you from seeing your ultimate nature. If you do in this life see your ultimate nature, it will not be an event. I'm not saying that other people who have talked about first they were doing this, and then all of a sudden everything came apart or collapsed. Maybe some people have that kind of dynamic. I did not. So 
Why should I even be sitting up here? Aren't I supposed to have some kind of awakening experience? There is no, there's no experience. And the reason there's no experience, if it's, if it actually is that, then there's no one left to have that experience. The actual so-called experiencer collapses into the realization. And it's just realization. And it goes on forever. Body mind is going to go away, collapse, disintegrate. When anything that shows up goes away. If enlightenment shows up, it's going away. Quite the conundrum. Take no position. So coming back to that, notice the positions, and then you can back up into that a little bit and see what is it, what is your intention around taking any kind of position on anything? What, 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 is, the, what is the payoff of that? You have an, if an emotion arises in your mind stream, you take any position with that at all, which I mean blaming something, somebody, some situation, yourself or anyone for that feeling. Please. Not exactly begging you, but I'm putting it in words that so I want to get your attention. Please endeavor to just receive whatever arises in your mind without jumping out of that and pointing a finger at anyone, even though someone standing there watching the situation might come up and say, yeah, I think they did insult you or, or whatever. If you, if you do it by relative truth, then you're trapped by that. Then you're going into belief in right and wrong, belief in that people should be punished for their crimes. It's just an incredible, it's, a, it's, it's even a childish misunderstanding. It doesn't even, it doesn't even live up to uh, a mature adult who sees what this is, not necessarily enlightened, but just reasonable about it. Even being reasonable will help you some. Take no position. And that means watching the way you, anyone, take the way you take a position on something. You don't have to do that. It's, it's quite nice, you could even say, to be done with that forever. As uh, Chief Joseph of the Nespers said, hundred years ago plus from where the sun stands now I will fight no more forever so, not sure if he ever meditated probably not but he had an understanding based on watching what was happening and seeing that going to war is just not so good that's that's not the way to work with any kind of negativity to go to war with it. Bowing. The positions I have the most difficulty with are the ones I have the logic or the explanation to back them up. Yes. Um, how do we not take those positions? Just so when you do that is you watch the way you take it. So it don't add, don't fix it. No, no scolding because there I go taking a position again. Just, just watch yourself take the position. Just watch the mechanics. Watch how this arises, then that happens, then you add on judgment, 
or some kind of logical explanation. And at the same time you do that, you can also see the intention behind doing anything at all. You're actually outflowing, you're doing something about it. So this happens and you look at it. That's not a snake, it's a piece of wood. So it's not incorrect to do any of that. It's relatively, it's completely valid. But the, hmm? sure, Belling, um, sometimes when you're talking about labels, um, when we have a difficult one, you might say to to switch out the word or change that. Right, absolutely. Um, similarly, can we um, switch out the story to work with a really persistent um, position? You could. You could play with it. You could play with things a lot. Have uh, enjoy yourself. If I'm following what you're, the intent of your question, yes, you could do that. Like sometimes I say, I've said, said before, and this is a simple one, but if someone has, has a persistent or kind of chronic depression, I said, stop talking about it. Stop giving it, uh, validating it by giving it a name because it is not the solid situation you think it is, or that you assume it is, or you, you your computer is... The mind, this ego, the self-centered, the narcissistic part of the mind tries to get some kind of security by gripping things and tightening right down on it, and it will do that with that situation. So you could change it. Sometimes make up silly words for it. We wouldn't have to do that. You could call it tightening. You could call it, um, you know, we could play with it. You could change the name of it every day. Um, you could call it responsibility. You could call it uh, um, lack of something. You could call it the presence of something. Or you could go into silly things. Like call it, it's a, it's a uh, candy bar. It's a Mars bar. Not my favorite candy bar. I mean, you see what I'm saying a little bit? You go in and so you're, you're entering into the area where that gets tightened up with another idea of it. I always like chocolate bunny rabbit. Very hard to be too serious when you're calling your terrible, serious, emotional thing that you need, uh, you know, tons of Wellbutrin or Prozac or anything else. I'm not mocking those. It may sound like what I'm saying. You may need to do that. People are they're suffering from causes and conditions that sometimes are just, they can't just sit down and suddenly get better. I remember a fellow uh, up in Minnesota when I was up there, was a meditation student of mine. I can't remember his name, but just he was just, I remember him saying just with complete, um, you could almost call it joy. <laughs> Thank God for Prozac. He, he was just his mind was uh, uh, quite a mess. But when he took that medication, he was able to what meditate. Before he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't sit still. He was a mess, and it wasn't because he was a vegan. I know you were going there. <laughs> I don't know what he was. So yes, ginger guy. Sometimes if something arises, the position seems to arise almost 
spontaneously with it. You see, you, you notice that though. You couldn't describe it that way if you didn't see something arise and then see something that's like a, it's like a, a mosquito, it's just it's there. Put your arm out the door and this mosquito lands. Go ahead. The position feels like it already has an intensity or a weight to it before I do anything with it. That seems like it draws me into it. What's your question? I'm ready to respond already. Just observe. And, and, and it won't, the, the downside of just observing is there will, it won't produce any results. If it starts to produce results, I'm not saying that you might not feel better. Maybe that would be good in some way, but that's circular. Anything that produces results is going to go away. Just like it came up, it's going to go away. The fundamental understanding is not a result. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do is to work with it in, in a way where you where you just receive it. That doesn't mean you give it your imprimatur, like this is a perfectly okay thing. No, you can continue to feel reactionary about it or feel like crap. It stinks. It doesn't feel good. You could use, uh, if it's helpful to you, it certainly has been helpful to me for decades to remember the very first of the Four Noble Truths, life is suffering. People like to sometimes say, well, it's not suffering all the time. Yes, it is. Discontent. And it's, if I may say it this way, not to make things worse for any, anyone, but if you follow this path, it will get more intense. Because eventually, it's not just your suffering you're dealing with. You're dealing with everyone's suffering. Because you're on receive. You're receiving the suffering of the world. Avalokiteshvara, looking down and seeing sound observers, hearing the cries of the world. This is a metaphor that is to help us see that the fundamental nature of consciousness is to uh, receive, not produce. But is it possible to see the intensity of the position and not get drawn into it? It is, but but it, it but and it is going to take time of watching it with no passion, aggression, and ignorance, nothing extra. Don't push it away. Don't accept it. Like the thing I mentioned earlier, radical self-acceptance is just, you know, a really strong, healthy ego. Might work for 20, 30 years, but it doesn't help you make the fundamental transition, which is death. That's when the body-mind collapses. You don't want to go into the intermediate state with a belief that you are this body because that body's going to die. Already glued ourselves to that position and acted or spoken out of it. Mm -hmm. How do we see the initial situation? You just return to it. Don't maintain it. As if you try to maintain it, then we're trying to hold it together so if we can see we can get rid of it or hold it together so we can see if we can, we can somehow get past it some kind of relative uh, situation, just observe it. Nothing lasts, but it will persist if you fiddle with it, meddle with anything. So if you push on it, it will fight back because it's relative truth. And if you 
make excuses for it. It will, it will move around uh, according to whatever kind of excuses or explanations, passion that you're making if you ignore it. And then it also, since it, it erodes, it's going to pers persist there. Also, do nothing, just observe it. And you're, the way you ask the question, uh, as your teacher, I'm saying, just keep going. You're doing it, you're doing it correctly. You just have a, a desire for success. You get rid of it. And it's not going away. Am I correct? Yeah. Just observe it. It doesn't have to go away. The situation that arises is dependently arisen. What has to happen, and it's not a going away, is to see that that which is observing that is unreal. The observer, the, the consciousness, the witnessing quality is not a, an actual solid being. It's consciousness. It belongs to no one. And that's, that's what you're speaking. You're actually speaking out of your Buddha nature right now. And there's no proof for that. I don't need proof for anything. You only need proof if there's something else. If you see what this is, you don't need proof. Go ahead. How do you see the intention for taking a position? How do you see the intention of it? Say a little more. Earlier you said to look at what your intention is around taking any position. How do we see that? Yeah, just persistence. Just whatever is showing up, just observe it. Just observe it. Just observe it. Whatever shows up in, in your uh, any your thoughts, your ideation about any situation, you, the intention is there. The intention is quite often is to get rid of something or to control it or stop it or take issue with it. Go ahead. It's like even if there's a subtle intention to just receive there's a more pressing intention to do something with it. There is. It's called the path. It's a path. Just don't give up. It's a steep mountain. Return. There's ways of doing that. We, it's a setup in here. We're setting this up so that every morning you come and practice in a certain way. And on, on Thursdays, if you can, you you block, sit down, hold still, do it for four hours in the morning, four hours in the afternoon. And possibly go into solitary retreat once or twice a year so that you actually have a uh, kind of an in-service with yourself. You sit down and do nothing but just watch your mind come and go, come and go, which is where Nishikai is now. He starts his 10-day solitary starts tomorrow in the Black Stag retreat. But... But just persist, continue, return. It's like uh, uh, return to Buddha, return to Dharma, return to Sangha, return to it. It goes away and we return. Carl Bowling. Yes, sir. Carl. Does ego take a position, or it's an or question, or is the taking of the position ego? Bowling? Yes, the ego is. is that aspect of consciousness that seems like somebody that that's uh, taking a position and it does that in order to to be to separate itself out into something that is identified with the body the five skandhas form feeling perception concept uh, or memory and consciousness so there's some kind of a 
grasping at this and rejecting that. The three poisons are the probably the best way, the simplest way to describe it, although it can be more complicated. More about that? How about uh, does just receiving require taking a position to just receive? Uh, so somewhat, somewhat, it starts out that way until receiving is just, just, it's just what you do. You don't, you only produce out of the necessity of, because you're receiving, you're receiving is not, is no longer a personal person who's receiving. It's just, you're not separate from anything. So therefore, therefore everything you look at is telling you what it is and what it needs and what it doesn't need. It's like, there's an, there isn't anything you're separate from, but it's not some kind of mystical feeling like we're all one. I would never make the statement, we're all one. Not that people who are probably awake, I don't know, might make that statement. So I'm not correcting anyone. I'm just saying I wouldn't do that because I the, the separation is so intense. This is there. You're there. You're, you're there. Uh, separation is extremely intense as far as the relative truth. But ultimately, we're not separate. I'm not separate from you. I'm not separate from anyone, nor are you. And that can be realized. It's not, it's not a thought. But the idea, again, is that by taking no position, we realize if we really endeavor to just take no position, we start to really see how much we're positioning ourselves all through the day and at night. And, and we're coming up with conclusions. It's just a, it becomes quite a, um, <clears throat> uh, quite a grouping of different factors in the, in the, in the intelligence, in the insight, in, in, in that seems to be grasping at something or holding down on something or opening something up or pushing down on something. So, and what I'm saying, when I say take no position, I know you can't do that. I cannot accomplish that as an, well, I'm glad that's over. For a while there, I was just taking positions, but finally that went away. I no longer take a position on anything. Not necessary. You, you may continue to take positions. That may happen. But what's happened is, and I'm, I want to say this as clearly as I can, this is not easy to understand. The positioning, by not taking a position, you, what happens is rather than you, uh, you, you stop taking positions, just bringing your mind to that, it, it, you could say almost automatically starts to show kind of a haunting feeling in the background that there's no one really that was really there that ever took a position on anything anyway. So then when then you realize there wasn't anyone that you're no you aren't a person, you're on a separate entity. So therefore, that which shows up as taking a position may have to ha may have to keep happening or not because it is dependently risen as Pratita Samuppada is running that whole show has been all along. And now you as consciousness, and consciousness is not, that's not separate from anyone, you've realized your true nature. Your body may go on, it may not. You're not concerned. This doesn't mean that you're going to stop eating or you're going to some kind of other situation where you take your life or some silly thing like that. But the attachment to it is just not there. Attachment to outcomes, the attachment to having, having your way, the attachment to feeling good all the time, or the attachment to suffering, the attachment to frustration, attachment, attachment. Since you 
when when something happens out here and there's um, physical sensation. Can you give me an happens, example? I'm just thinking of um, some action being being taken by by someone okay. in front of me, and then there might not be much mental activity, but then there's a pit in my gut. Um, is that physical sensation a position? It's a it's an outflow uh, that is happening, but it's 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 conditioned. And so uh, it would be, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, it's not necessary to go and find the source of that, but just receive that as much as you can. Not justify it or validate it. And, and obviously there's always a possibility there's some kind of physical thing that's happening that could be connected with that, like a chemical situation in your body or, or being having the flu or something like that. So there's a lot of things that can masquerade as otherness. So when you have that that tightening in your stomach or a rock in your stomach or something like that, insofar as you can, just receive it. Endeavor to not go out and attribute it to something, even though this person in front of you seems to be triggering this. They're not the cause of it. The cause is much more complicated than just one person doing something. Just like somebody who's 14 years old goes into a, or 15 or part of a gang goes in and robs a party store. No, they they take that person. It's insane. They take that person and lock them up as if that's the problem. No, the problem is much, much more vast and profound than that. It's the whole society. There's there's no spiritual path. There's no true, true spiritual path to see the nature of the reality that we've suddenly shown up in as human beings. This has probably has been speculated. This is why aliens don't contact us because they're they're kind of confused by why uh, why the uh, beings would actually take the lives of their own species but you don't you don't have to do anything with that other than feel it if you're feeling it, it's supposed to be there we don't know the cause can maybe if we had a lot of time and could examine that in some way maybe we could find a cause for that but, all, but your job is to receive it no blaming. Even though your intellect might be saying, well, if he hadn't walked in the room, I wouldn't be feeling this way. But now that he's here, I'm feeling afraid. So you wouldn't ignore that or throw it away or discount it. You would still look at that. It would still be part of the entire experience. But the feeling is yours. It's in your body. It's not in someone else's. No one's pouring emotions into you. Follow me? So receive it. More? Further questions? Wulong bowing. Wulong. When, when you're with a loved one and they say something and it immediately triggers fear or rage, and now I'm receiving, my thing is I get defensive, but now I'm receiving the anger, it feels like I have left what trying to be open or receiving what this person is saying. And how do I, and I see it happening, I get frustrated, I wanna go back to trying to receive 
uh, what this person is saying. And it just feels like a bunch of acrobats. Um, so it feels like receive It's like, now I'm receiving the rage. And, you know, so how do I come back to receiving what this person? So what, so what I'm picking up there is a couple of things. One is when you say, now I'm receiving the rage. No, you're not. You're covering it up with that comment. If you're receiving it, there'll be no comment. It'll just be that dense rage, just the rage. So, okay, there's that One, rage. Go ahead. There go ahead. is that. That's exactly what it is. There's rage, and I feel it in my body. Yes. And I and it feels consuming, and I don't can't feel like I'm receive. Can I can, that I can receive anything else? What? Okay, that is awareness. You don't have to accomplish anything. That's the misunderstanding. You, you, you are saying, I'm not accusing you of anything, but you're in this dynamic and you're leaving the dynamic for what? For what it means or what you're doing about it or are you successful or are you not? You're, you're, you're going away from it into something else instead of just receiving. When you receive the rage, you also receive your, the, any outflows around that of trying to protect yourself or justify it. Receive that too. The, the awareness, the the ego, the self-centered mind, the narcissistic mind, the, the mind that is looking for some kind of control or results or something eventually begins to starve because it's not getting it's not getting the, the, the success story. Or it's not able to say, well, at least I know what, who's causing it. The reason I'm feeling in that way. If you wouldn't do that, they wouldn't, she wouldn't, they wouldn't, then I wouldn't. But we have a whole little litany of words that we that show up around that. But to just receive it, you might not say anything. You might not even say anything to yourself. It just might feel difficult without no outflows. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, can can anger or rage can that arise even though you have, are taking no position? Yes. Again, but what happens when that happens, then you begin to see that, that this is uh, the ter one of the terms that's come up with in, uh, in Buddhism is self-existing. Because I, trying to, how you describe something that has no source, that is propelled by, not pro propelled by otherness, but looks, it has the illusion of otherness, but it does, it's not actually that. So therefore, what is, what is amazing, if you can do that, which you can, if you practice, eventually you're not joining it, you're not rejecting it, you're not shutting down, and you begin to see what, that that actually, uh, is, it just arises. It didn't come out of you. It's in your consciousness, but you didn't produce it. Nobody threw it at you. It just arose. And when that happens, then you're beginning to see, understand, uh, that there's no solid self in the skandhas, and no, there's no being here. There's no con the consciousness is just uh, an open dimension without personhood, and that that's when uh, everything becomes liberated. It takes time to do that to see that. More Wulong. Wulong bowing. What is the relationship with? That anger that arises that is 
even though you're not taking a position? What is the relationship with that anger to the the taking no position, the thing, the apparent thing that has happened, the trigger? It it just it just uh, I don't a simple way to put it. Uh, maybe this won't be helpful, but you just feel it. It's very simple. It's just very direct. It's just like first thought, best thought. It's just a feeling. It's just that. It's not about who caused it. It's not about your having it. It's not about it's not about any kind of otherness. Even though relatively you can go there and that works fine in a court of law and in uh, in the court of uh, uh, the ego, that whole structure. It seems to make sense. Who caused it? Well, if it wasn't for him, it wasn't for her. Well, we should have done this. We should have done that. It's a whole labyrinth of causation that fuels the the primary the primary illusion, which is that there is someone uh, separate from everything else that is a a separate being who can get their way or lose their way, live or die, on and on. This is why I say take no position. Which, of course, if you're listening, you will you will be more likely to look at the positionality that we take all the time, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. It's about the awareness of that, not about changing it or manipulating it or making something go away. If you see what this is, you won't be concerned with what happens. Uh, you, you also will not miss much because you're no longer operating out of right and wrong, up and down, hope and fear. You're no longer focused on some particular outcome over here or something you need to stop over here. You're just here. It's just presence. Rinpoche called it authentic presence. It has no has no agenda. It just it the practice is to receive, but when that when that uh, when that is realized, there isn't even any receiver. There's nothing even being received. You can't receive something you're not separate from. Just my way of saying it. Yes. A question from Navid. Navid. Sometimes people expect you to join them in their outflows. How not to participate in their outflows and not give them the expression of being disrespectful or ignoring them? Yeah, it's hard to do that. And it would depend, it's situational, it would depend on the person, <clears throat> your relationship to them and, and what it's been in the past. But uh, it's not about maintaining or accomplishing no outflows. It's about being very much aware of it aware of them. And it sounds like you have an understanding of what that is, uh, Navid. And I would say, just observe. Uh, don't don't make much of a movement at all to uh, certainly don't point out anyone else's outflows. Just, just be responsible for your own uh, outflows by what? Being aware of them, not responsible then that you don't have them, or you don't do them or something like that. You don't need to accomplish anything just need to see vividly what it is. And then if, if it's, how would I say it? If it's in the cards of dependent origination, then it may, it may fade away, it may not. But the consciousness that, that uh, formerly known as me uh, is not concerned because uh, ultimate, uh, there's an ultimate understanding of what this is rather than a relative understanding of what this is, what it should be, what it shouldn't be. There's no shoulds or shouldn'ts in this way. 
there's, there's no position beyond position yet there's still a form here is seeing something as dependently arisen different than seeing something as self-existing so they're both concepts the idea is just a, a way of using concepts to help you or me or anyone to to see that something that shows up you don't have to go to other areas, even though it's relatively produced on one level, it's ultimate uh, from the point of view of, uh, of ultimate truth, which doesn't have a polarity in it. So therefore, use we say all self-existing. So it's a way of kind of snipping off all the causes and conditions enough so you can get a feeling for what that is. It's like firewood doesn't or, uh, doesn't become ash. It's just what Dogen says about that. Well, yes, it does too. But his, his, what he's trying to say is to look deeply into anything you think of as a, 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 something that is occurring. It wasn't there one minute, and it's there the next minute. Shogun, is there a way that we can taste or flash on that sense of self-existing? Yes, sit a lot. Get to the cushion. Get to the, the, if you look at the way this monastery is, uh, uh, comes together, it's based on all the things you could say that I was, didn't have access to in the early years that I was practicing. Very good to have a building that's dedicated to this and people, Sangha, who are dedicated. Not, we're not marketing this, so to try to get everyone to come and join. But it's, it's important to have people who are dedicated to this practice, Sangha. It's important to study the Dharma together, not just in your bedroom at night, but study it together. Talk about it. Important to have, obviously, to have a, a teacher. More? Yes, Kevin. Uh, some people have a very magnetic presence, it seems, just naturally. Is that does that have anything to do with authentic presence, Bowing? Uh, the way the uh, the Vidyatara, Chogyam uh, Trungpa Rinpoche was using that, I don't think so. I think authentic presence, there, there might not be any particular expression of talent or ability or charisma. Trungpa uh, Rinpoche was amazing in that he was uh, not not particularly a handsome or good-looking fellow. He was kind of odd-looking. Uh, but his, his presence was uh, extremely powerful. And um, his, I don't, wouldn't even call it charisma. It's, he wasn't charismatic in the, in the sense that we think of charismatic, like uh, Tony Robbins or or uh, uh, what was his name? Elvis something or other, that guy. Um, personalities. So I'm not sure if that's where you're going with it, but I would say no authentic presence is, is just that, completely unreceived, just, just, just present without a past, a future. Tathagata, one who comes thusly. Go ahead. Kevin Bang, yeah, that, that's where 
I was, that's what I was going to ask whether authentic presence was receiving. Yes. Another question. She showed it. You have a question. Yeah, I had a couple of questions. Uh, in the first example you gave of uh, being in front of somebody and they're doing something and you're suggesting that we don't take a position, but even if I don't take a position uh, overtly, I'm not saying anything, even then internally I've taken a position and my mind is off, thinking about all of those things. Is that keeping quiet any better on the spiritual path? Yeah, I, I feel that it is because it, there's still outflows, as you're pointing out, the outflows, but they're, but they're not dumping right out in a physical situation. They're not hooking up your vocal cords. So there's a little bit of renunciation going on there where you're not going to begin producing based, based on how you feel about things, even though the, the feeling still seems genuine. But you have a sense, some people might call it discipline. But you, just, you, just, you just have a feeling of the appropriateness of saying something or not saying something. So um, I feel that, that watching outflows uh, in your mind stream uh, are, I'm not going to say they're better, but that's still an, an area where you can watch that happen without, without uh, meddling or interfering with other people's uh, life, which is probably difficult enough as it is. Uh, am I getting close to what it is you're asking about? Okay. So, um, yes, go ahead. Tishwaring, um, the conflict there, though, is uh, if I genuinely feel, for example, I have something to share that might be of value to others, I don't know that for sure. <laughs> but yes. if I feel that, then there is that conflict of not helping. Bye. So I, I would think uh, you could, if you really feel like it would be helpful to someone, you could certainly, you could certainly go ahead and open your your big trap if you wanted to and spit it out on them. <laughs> maybe it will help them. And I'm saying that silly, uh, silly way of saying it, but I'm saying may, maybe uh, that it might be something they really need to hear. There, we're not. I don't mean to set up a standard where anytime you have any kind of negative thing show up uh, and you're looking at somebody and you think that maybe they need to hear this. Maybe they do. So there's no standard of, of you know, shutting up and never, never saying anything. So that might be, might be helpful for you to do that, to get a better idea of what your intention is and watching the person's reaction, um, observing that might, might flesh out or fill out the, a bigger picture of what's actually happening there in terms of um, praise and blame and success and failure and all that. And a way of working with relative truth that is actually working with it. You're saying something to him or her about something that's happening. So maybe so. Trust, uh, as I say many, many times, if you can trust the space in which things are happening or occurring, then you'll have a better idea about the nature of the thoughts that are in that space because you're your allegiance, if you have, if you want to even call it allegiance, is to the space, not to the thought patterns, uh, because then you tend to validate the, the ones that seem right and then negate the ones that seem wrong or right back to warfare. Might only be in your mind stream, but they start in the mind stream and then they end up 
like the dictator across the ocean, murdering thousands of people and justifying it by by some kind of nationalism that says he's somehow saving the country or something. It's it's just uh, the height of, uh, or maybe not the height, but it is insane. Killing your own kind, sad. But that's how it, that's how it is. So endeavoring to put others before ourselves is very difficult to do. It's even difficult if it's in your own family, let alone to people of a different color or a different language or a different everything, different religion. Any other questions? Yes. What is the relationship between not taking a position and dependent origination? Not taking a position uh, is uh, is if you can if you can depending on how you personally are working with that is actually uh, uh, a way of not meddling with that which is arising and falling away. Dependent origination is just the illusion that something is occurring. And it's a pretty strong illusion, as we know. This is occurring, and now it's going away. Now it's occurring again, and now it's going away. Powerful. Like a dream. Seems real. Seems authentic. Seems strong. Dependent origination is a way of pointing at the, the fundamental nature of everything that looks like it's coming and going, arising, falling away, getting bigger, getting smaller, getting bright, getting dull, getting shiny, getting rough. All of the variables, all the pluses and minuses. Yeah. Dependent origination means that anything that looks like something is dependent on everything else for its apparent singularity. It's an illusion. So I don't know if I can get any closer using concepts, but you can get an understanding of that. Just don't give up. Continue to look at that. See what it actually is through the blinders of what you think it is or what you think it isn't. Those are also blinders. Take no position. And of course, as I've said probably 20 times since the talk started, is can't help but do that. I can't help it. I'm taking positions on all kinds of things. But they're unreal. You can actually have something come in your mind. You know, it's just it's unreal. It might even be there might be attendant feelings of not particularly liking the smell of that. Or being concerned about it on some level. That's also dependently risen. Personal emotions and feelings and judgments and interpretations are just that unreal. Because there isn't there isn't any one there. I don't know what time it is, so I have to tell me. Is it, huh? Okay, we can take one final question if there is, and if there isn't, we can just close either way. Very good, we'll close. Hi, this is Chiezan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you.